recently some things have been happening among us that are just <laughs> mind-boggling. Two things. Was it last week or two weeks ago I mentioned from here that someone gave a car away, right? And um, I asked his permission yesterday to please let me bring him up so that I really want you all to start trusting God for the impossible. Brother Gideon, please come up here. He gave a car away about a month ago. And I was with him and uh, Sister Grace yesterday night. And he started talking and showed me a text. Somebody gave him three cars. How does that happen? He walks with cars and it just so happened he gave a car away and there are three cars that have been abandoned in this lot and he's the one this woman is looking for to come get those three cars. You tell me that's a coincidence. I didn't sleep last night. I was just like, what? So I'm telling you all this. If God tells you to give, we are supposed to live with our hands like this. When he says give, give. Just become a conduit. You are a steward. That's all you are. You are not an owner. And when you see a need and he says give, don't think of what is in my account. Don't think of, oh my God, my family will... No, just obey him. This is such an example. I'm like, how does that happen? Who gives three cars away? But that's God. And I believe he's showing us here. Thank you, brother. And I believe he's showing us here so that we'll really begin to stretch our faith. Brother Daniel came from Nigeria. He was in Nigeria for over a year because he was having, you know, some health issues here. And they thought, you know, maybe going to Nigeria and getting some help over there and care will help. But unfortunately, he went, it became worse. And he had multiple strokes. And he came back worse than he was before he went. Couldn't talk. He hasn't been talking for two months now. About, about right? About, about two months? Okay. So he came, he came back and he wasn't talking. Last night, he began to talk. But we've been praying and believing God that he will still, he's a man that God has anointed for ministry. We said, you still have work to do. I heard that uh, Brother Bill and, and Sister Shelley went there and, and they spoke life into him. Just win. And after you all left, his beginning, he began to talk. I mean, so I want you to begin to, what is it you want from God? What is it that you want from God? You go home and write it down. And I'm telling you, we are praying. This is a praying church. And you begin to see things, but you have to believe. You have to believe. There's so much going on that is making us fear. And making the strength that we have. The enemy wants to steal that from us. But I'm just challenging you today. Believe God. Trust Him. Amen? Last week we started the sermon, The Pathway of an Effective and Fruitful Believer. And I just kind of went over some things about the fact that God wants us as believers to make a difference. 
There has to be a difference between us who say we believe this and those who don't believe this, or at least those who don't know as much as we know. And so in Daniel chapter 11, verse 32, the Bible says in the B part of that scripture, it says, but the people who know their God, the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. So there are three things in there. For a Christian to carry out or do great things, first thing that they have to know God. You have to know God. Not know about God, not know someone who knows God, but you have to know God for yourself. And then the second thing is, you shall be, you have to become something. Once you are transformed and you become what you were created to be. Remember I told you all, there's a scripture that I'm still eating on now for weeks and weeks. And it was just, and there was a man sent from heaven. And his name was John. So that meant God sat down, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit sat down, created this soul called John. And sent him. And in that sending was everything that John was going to be. And all those days of his life were numbered by God. And so I said, in the same way, you, when God created you, and I have some scriptures as I go along that I will bring out to, 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 to button this, buttress this point. When God made you the same way he sent you, and he spoke things over you that only you is supposed to carry out. And the question is, do you know that? Because until you be, you cannot carry out. Becoming transformation is crucial. You can have all the knowledge you want. And we've become so, a lot of us are like that. We have so much knowledge. We know the scriptures. We have been Christians but the transformation needed for you to go to the next stage is what God has been waiting for us to do. And that's why I said, young man, this message is for you. Because once you get transformed, when you become what you were sent here to do, carrying out exploits is not going to be so difficult. Sometimes we think it's the big things behind the pulpit like Pastor Angela or Pastor Roy or Pastor Mike that's always here behind here. No. You may have been sent for just one simple thing. Remember the woman with the box, oil, oil that anointed Jesus? She did a very simple thing. Very simple. All she did was, went in front of everybody, worshipped him, poured all she had on him, wiped his feet with her hair, and Jesus said, this simple act will never be forgotten. She wasn't a preacher. She wasn't an apostle. But that simple act, we're talking about her in scripture today, Mary. So what you may have been sent here to do may just have be something that is, it may not be like somebody led, led Billy Graham to the Lord. Do you know what her reward is? All the reward that Billy Graham gets. 
So, when I'm talking about becoming or transformation, don't keep thinking. You might, it might be something in your eyes, not big, but in the eyes of God. It is bigger than what you think the biggest person is doing. So we said, knowing God, the reasons why we must know God. Daniel said, this verse we just talked about, it says, those that know God will be strong and do exploits. So knowing God makes you strong. Hosea chapter 6 verse 3, it says, let us know, let us pursue the knowledge of the Lord. His going forth is established as the morning. He will come to us like the rain, like the former and the latter rain to the earth. So when you know God, you carry his presence everywhere you go. When you know God, you hear him, you experience him. There's a dimension in your life that you know and people around you know that there's something different. Philippians chapter 3 verse 10, it says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. When you know God, you're going to have power, but sometimes that power is only made available through suffering. That's where we miss it sometimes. We want the power, we want resurrection, but we don't want the cross. We don't want the grave. We don't want to go down for three days and nobody knows whether we're coming out again or not. But for you to go to resurrection, you have to pass through the Garden of Gethsemane, you have to go to the cross, you have to die, you have to be buried, and then you have to be risen. These are things that, as believers, is good. God wants you to prosper. God wants us to have. But the foundation must be strong. These are things that we need because the days that are coming is those that know the Lord. The Bible says, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength was small. And God is testing our strength. So don't run from your problems. Embrace them. Embrace them. God wants to strengthen you. And then 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 2 says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you. Wow! In the knowledge of God. If you know God, grace and truth and peace, sorry, grace and peace is not added. It's multiplied. Multiplied. 10 plus 10 is what? 20. But 10 times 10 is what? You see what I'm talking about? When you know God, nothing shakes you. The peace of God guards your heart. Grace upon grace. Grace is favor. We've seen it here. The favor of God on people's lives. It's only possible when you know God. So that's why we must know God. And the four ways we know God, so I can move on quickly, Through scriptures, the, where the first one is scriptural revelation. You have to be a believer. If you are a Christian and you don't study the word, you will never know God. Because in here is God. This is God speaking. This is God's word to you. This is God's will for you. This is God's love letter to you. This is how you know God. When you read the scriptures, you begin to know the character of God. 
You begin to know the ways of God. You begin to understand that there are laws that govern this kingdom we're in. And if you follow those laws exactly how God says it, you know what's going to happen at the end. Give and it shall be given to you. Cast your bread upon the waters and many days it will come back to you. It doesn't make sense. But if you live and you live by this word of God, you will get to know him. You might do things that people will think you're crazy or foolish, but they will also see the results in your life. We said the second way to know God is through his names. I'm kind of rushing so I can go to really my message for today. Every man in the Old Testament, every woman that had an encounter with God had a name as a result of that encounter. When Abraham was told to go sacrifice his son Isaac, and at the end of it, God said, no, I, I see your faith. I provide a ram that was caught in the thicket. He had a name because of that experience. He said, Jehovah Jireh. He is my provider. When the Israelites were being led out of Egypt, and in the wilderness, the, the waters of Marah were so bitter, their life was bitter. And God came in and he turned the bitter water to sweet water. He says, I am the Lord that heals you. I'm your Jehovah Rapha. And because of their experience with God, that name they understood. What experience do you have with God? Your life must give God a name. Your life must give God a name. Write that down. If somebody talks about you, what name do they give to God? Did they see you and say, oh my goodness, he says he's a Christian, but has your name or has God's name become like an, a fly in an ointment because of you? God forbid. Let your life give God a good name. Let your experiences good, give God a good name. I made up my mind that no matter how God breaks me, no matter what I go through, my life will give God a name. I will be known as the woman who is strong. I told you all I found myself in the Bible. I'm Deborah. I know I have the anointing and the grace to wear different hats. I know I have the anointing and the grace to pray. I know I have the anointing and the grace to speak this word. Have you found yourself? Have you found yourself in this book? Have you found the reason why God brought you here? If you've not, the graveyard is full of people that were sent that never fulfilled what they were sent here to do. It's full of them. You know him by his name. You know him by looking at Jesus. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 1 verse 15, that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. God came down in flesh so that we can see what he looks like and how he behaves and what he does. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He said that, right? So if you want to know God, look at, just read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You will see God in action. You will see that God loves us unconditionally. You will see that when everybody has abandoned you and think you are the prostitute of the town, nobody wants to talk to you, 
he will leave everybody and says, you are the meat. The apostle said, did you not eat? You don't want to eat? He says, no, my meat is to do the will of my father. It was that woman that day that was his meat. The woman that nobody wanted to talk to. The prostitute of the town was the meat of Jesus. Remember the man that was, that, that was insane? That was in the tombs? Jesus crossed the sea all night just to go to that one man. Healed him, took care of things, went back to the boat, went about his business. So if you see Jesus, you see what God is like. We keep thinking God wants to punish us. You commit a sin, you, you do something wrong, he's just waiting to beat you up. No. God loves you so much. He will do anything to make sure you are not lost. He will do he gave his son so that you have everlasting life. And he says with if he gave his son, what will he not give to you? Will you give your child for somebody? And then you know God through your own experiences. I'm just taking my time today. This series is not finishing next week most likely because there's so much to say. Your experiences make you know God. Good or bad. Good or bad. Pain is is most of the time the pathway for you. We can read, sometimes we read the scriptures, it's a little bit distant. Oh, I wasn't there when Jesus was around. Oh, okay. But when you go through something and you see God show up, nobody can convince you that God doesn't exist. Are you going to tell Brother Gideon there is no God? When he gave away one car, he got three in less than a month. You tell me. So your experiences, don't, don't cast them out. Learn from them and let them push you closer to God, not away from Him. If your experiences in life push you away from God, you never really knew Him. Because everything God allows to happen to you is all in that pathway to make you become what He's created you to be. He says, I didn't tell the children of Israel to serve me in vain. So if you see anything that's like my sister was saying, when God is silent, usually that's when he's doing his greatest work. When Jesus was in the grave those three days and God was silent, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When God was silent, that's when he was doing the most job, the work today, millions and billions of people. Serving him, serving him for that's when he was doing that work. So when God is silent, it doesn't mean he's not present. That's the experience you must use to know him better. Amen. So it's eleven forty-three, and I'm about to start my message for today. He says, "Those that know their God." So we've talked about knowing God. He says, "They shall." Be becoming. This is the problem I have, and that's the same problem you have too. And this is where we need to work on. We know the word, we know God. All of us here, most of us know Him well. 
The problem is the becoming and the transformation that we need to go through. Romans chapter 12 verse 2 says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So your mind plays a big role in your transformation. Your mind is the key to you being transformed. Your mind must be renewed. The old patterns, the old ways of doing things, your old way of thinking have to be completely erased. Completely. If you are doing the things you were doing before you got saved, or you are still doing some of the things that you know, or the scripture says it's not what you're supposed to do, if you keep doing them, you will not be transformed. And until you're transformed, it's in the middle. Transformation is what makes your knowledge and your doing to come together. It's the glue that holds your knowing and your doing together. Transformation. So as a believer, your goal is to make sure you are transformed. You know that old computer? Wipe out all the data in it. And begin to download new data. First Peter chapter 1 verse 14 in the ESV. It says, as obedient children, obedient, 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 obedient. That's a key word. You know these days what's been happening? To me, I don't know about you guys. I would take one scripture and it's like the words like come off. Or the, does it, is that happening to other people? Where you're reading scripture and just one word will come out. And God will make you stay on that one word. Then when you finish, he will push it back in the, in the Bible and another word will pop out at you. So it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun for me. So when you see obedience, so there are children that are obedient. There are children that are disobedient. Then which one am I? He says, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. That is a heavy scripture right there. Because the problem we have is the problem of conformity. There's such a pressure on believers these days to conform. Conform to what the world says is right. Conform to what is in vogue. But let me tell you something. If God says he's against something and you are his child and you're going for that thing, you are a disobedient child. If God has spoken in a matter and you go against it, you've become disobedient. We must make sure as believers, especially in the times we are living in, you must make sure what God says is what you're saying. No matter the pressure to conform, no matter what people do to you or say about you, there are ways of God. When he says my ways are ancient, it doesn't mean they are old and bad. It just means they are tested and tried. You cannot take a fish out of water and tell him to live in the land and say, yeah, you are going to live in the land because I said so. No, a fish was meant to be in the water. When God made a man and a woman, he made it for a reason. You tell me a man and a man can get married and have children. It can never happen. 
When they said they have children, one of them was a woman before and still has women's stuff in there. God has this, there are laws that he has set down. And if God has set those laws down, please, don't conform because you want people to be happy with you. You don't want to be cancelled. You don't want to be woke or whatever it is, you know. And they also, transformation is an ever-going process. As a believer and as a child of God, never get to the point that you say, oh, I have arrived. Nobody ever arrives. So some of the things I'll be talking about later, if I get to it today, vision, how to get a vision for your life, how to write your vision, because the Bible says write and make it clear. If I get to it today, if not next week, I'm not in a hurry. You have to realize that as a Christian, is a continuous transformation. What you're doing 10 years ago, you're not doing it now. And so when you get the successes, yeah, pat yourself on the, back, on the back and say, Lord, thank you, but you're moving on to the next level. Don't stay in the same place year in, year out. No. God didn't make you like that. You're supposed to be continually being transformed as your mind is being renewed, as God is working on you, as God is showing you new things, as God is making you meet new people, as God is revealing things. Be secular or spiritual. We must realize that we have to have influence in the secular to make an impact. Sometimes I heard it so much in the Bible, but let me tell you something. For you, your transformation is very, very closely tied to the problems that you solve. I don't want to go ahead of myself. Your transformation, for you to be able to do great exploits for God, you have to be able to solve some big problems so that you are the one they are looking for. That's what make, make you worth something, believe me, in the eyes of men. The Bible says the, the, the children of this world are more, they are smarter than the children of light. We have to start learning to balance these things. You can be a king and you can be a, a, a priest. Paul said, said in Philippians in chapter 3, Am I making sense? I feel my, I have so much in my brain. Am I making sense? Okay. Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 to 14. This was Paul speaking. So listen to this. This is Paul who wrote two-thirds of the, uh, the New Testament. Paul was learned. He was well recognized among the unbelievers and the believers alike. Look at what he said. He says, not as though I have already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. You must be good at doing one thing. This one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth into those things which are before. What does it say in verse 14? I press toward the mark. I press always toward the mark for the prize of the high calling. So there's a low calling. There's a medium calling. There's a high calling. Which one are we pressing for? For the high one, Cindy. 
Don't settle for the low or the medium. I'm sitting there, standing here. This wasn't too hard to do, right? That wasn't too hard. I can stumble here. But it's going to take me effort to get from there, here. Don't settle for just the mediocre. Don't. Set some high goals for yourself. Set some high goals. And if we get there today, fine. If not next Sunday, I know you'll come back. Set some high goals for yourself. And write them down. Because the Bible says, write the vision down and make it clear so that you can run with it. It's not just saying, oh, I want to be, I want to be, I want Write it down. Young people, are you hearing me? Write what you want to be down. If you, I mean, there's so much you can do for the Lord. There's so much. Listen, we were painting furniture in my, in my house this weekend. Uh, this week. Is it weekend? Yeah, it was weekend. On Friday, I think, Michelle and Jennifer and I we were painting furniture in my house. This furniture, we put it online to, for somebody, people to buy it. Nobody bought it. For months and months and months. And I said, you know what? I bought this furniture from Star Furniture. These are like wood, heavy, heavy wood. These days you buy some of these things on Wayfair or whatever. They are not really heavy. They look so pretty. And you bring them and like, oh my God, it's so light. I was like, and Michelle said, I'll come paint it for you. And we've been postponing, postponing. Eventually on Friday we did that. Do you know, after we painted it, <laughs> this thing looks so beautiful. I was like, oh my God. In my mind, I started thinking, gosh, I wish I wasn't too busy. We were talking about that last night, my daughter and I. I was like, I, w- I wish I wasn't so busy. Every Saturday and Friday, I'll go to garage sale. <laughs> go to flea shops and get the furniture nobody wants. Get some of us ladies, paint them. Put them on, on, on the, on, uh, what's it called? Yeah, to sell them. You are going to sell them four or five times worth what you bought it. There's so much we can do. So don't just settle for mediocre stuff. Please. When you go to, some, there are some decisions that are made in some places. It trickles down and it affects us. Because we are not in those places. Paul here is saying, this is not the best of me. That scripture I just read in Philippians chapter 3. He says, this is not the best of me. I'm still pressing. I'm still pushing forward. There's still more for me to do. I have right now hundreds of dollars. I want thousands. And as I give to God and as I do what he's going to do and I put myself in the right place, you have to be in the right place for some of these things to come to you. If you're in your bed sleeping all day, 12 hours a day, you're sleeping your life away. I mean, that's just the truth. Somebody has to be telling us Christians these things. You, we have to be talking about it. I told my children, you have to strive not just for the sky. Strive for heaven. Strive for the best. Why should you be the one that people are putting, uh, 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 oh, here, pastor. I'm not saying, please, I won't use that because you will be offended. Somebody might be offended. I want to be the one giving people gifts. I want to be the one writing the checks and blessing you. I'm not saying I will not be blessed. Like I told you, all your hands have to be open. 
But you have to tell yourself, I'm going to be at the top. Because the Bible says you will be what? The head and not the tail. Why are we so happy and content with being the middle and the tail? Why? Why? When you see a young kid of 25 years old, 26 years old, is deciding which job, people are fighting to give, to give him, how old are you? It's not 25, maybe 28 now. And he's trying to pick which one. And the salary they are telling you, you have worked for 30 years, you never got that salary. And you're saying, my goodness, for just setting your goals, putting a vision before you and working hard, working hard for it, pressing it, and you're getting to that mark. You're not even 30 years old, they're offering you a salary and fighting for you. And you're the one saying, oh, let me tell this one to beat this. Let me tell this one to, to pay my loan off. And they are willing to do it because they want you. I want to put some fire on your feet tonight. Oh, this morning, sorry. Especially the young ones here. If you settle for medium, mediocre, low, that's what you will get. When God sent you here, He sent you here loaded. He spoke some great things over you. So much, so much, so much, so much. Ignorance, ignorance is our greatest enemy. The Bible says my people perish for lack of knowledge. The high calling of God in Christ Jesus. There's a reason why you're here. There's a reason why God sent you here. John 1, 6, there was a man sent from heaven whose name was John. God sent you here in response to a need. God sent you here in response to a question that had to be answered. God sent you here to solve the problem. God sent you here to be a blessing to somebody. God sent you here to do exploits for him. And you cannot do those exploits if you are not transformed. If you are still thinking that you cannot be this person, you can, ah, no, and my background, my, my father didn't do this, my mother did, you see, I'm from the wrong tracks. I'm, I'm, I'm. You can say that all you want. And the enemy will say, yes, that's what you are. Anytime God did something great for people, he will tell me, what is your name? You tell me who you are. And I will agree with you. He will come in there and will say, you have to, your name has to change. He told Abraham, you know, you are going to become Abraham. Can you imagine a 75-year-old man with no children telling somebody, good morning, ma'am, my, my name is father of many nations. Do you know how that must have felt? We, we, we just read these things now and we think it's just, it was easy. He did that for 25 years. Every time he introduced himself to somebody, he said, my name is Father of Many Nations. And they're like, oh, yeah. he's crazy. He has no child. He said he's Father of Many Nations. But did God come through for him at the end? What are we today? We call ourselves, Father Abraham has many sons. Has many sons. Father Abraham. Do you know what it took for that man to have that title? To have that experience with God? So what has God put on your heart? I'm about to end. I will continue next week. What is that desire you have? 
What is that thing you said, God, I want to be? Like I said, it's not, it, it doesn't have to be behind the pulpit. In the economic world, in the secular world, we have some people here, in their jobs, people are wanting to know God. In the studio, I had to call him Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. Jesus, not Jesus. <laughs> He's walking in the hallway. Jesus. Jesus. Trying to get his attention. That's what I'm saying. Where are you going to leave your mark that cannot be raised? Where are you going to leave a mark that cannot be erased? Think on it. And when you come back next week, everybody here, especially the young ones, bring a notepad. I'm going to show you how to find your vision and how to write it down. And how to evaluate yourself every six months. To start working towards your vision. And if you're a young person here, I've started to mentor some young people. If you want to be part of those, you need to come talk to me. These things that we know, we need to pour them into you. And if you're going to be mentored by me, you're lazy, I will kick you out. I don't have time for laziness. My children will tell you that. I, ca- I cannot handle laziness. I, I, I cannot. That's, if you talk about hating something, I truly hate laziness. Because I was married, having children, pastoring the church. I did my bachelor's degree. Did my, I'd already had a bachelor's from Nigeria. I came back here, did a bachelor's degree, did a master's degree, did a PhD. Have three businesses going at the same time. I hate laziness. So if you want me to mentor you, come let's talk. It's time for us to start bringing champions. Economic champions and spiritual champions. Stand to your feet. I'm done for today. I've told God these days, I said, Lord, if you make it clear as water, I will do what you tell me to do. By God's grace, God's grace and God's mercy, God's grace and God's mercy. He told me, you've raised children. Just raise the other ones the way you raised your children. And that's what I'm going to do. This is, this is it. This is it. Everything we need is here. But we have to stretch ourselves. Like I said, I'm not just talking to young people. I'm talking, even me, I have goals for myself. I don't, what I see here, this is not all I see. The Bible says, from where you are, lift up your eyes. I can be here right now, but my eyes are way above this place. And I want the same for you. No matter where you are today, no matter what is happening to you, you can lift up your eyes. You can dream. You can have visions. And you can bring them before the Lord. And next week we'll talk about some of those. Bring them before the Lord. And when you have those desires, take time to hear from God. Write, no matter how many pages, write it down. And just take time, be quiet. Sometimes we talk so much, we talk to God, but we don't let Him talk back to us. Spend your time praying and then be quiet. Let him start speaking to you. I mean, those desires in you, there's something. See, ah, 
is inside of you. What you are looking for, you already have it. God has put your gift where you cannot miss it. It's in plain sight. You can't miss it. Raise your hands. Let's praise God this morning. Father, we just thank you. We thank you for your word. Father, I pray that somehow that this this you put in my heart, that you've communicated it to your people today. I pray, God, that we will live here and just really go home and begin to think, begin to evaluate our lives, begin to write our deepest desires and dreams, God. Father, I thank you so much for what you are doing in our midst. Father, I know the future for this church, for everyone here. For every boy, for every girl, for every man, for every woman. I know our future is bright. Because you said the thoughts that you have towards us are thoughts of good, not of evil. To bring us to an expected, expected, expected end. The end that you have in store for us. Glorious end that you have in store for us. Father, I thank you. Father, give us favor this, this week. Favor. Miracles that, are, that will blow our mind like you've been doing in this place. Give us a miracle. Give us a testimony this week. I bless you with the blessings of the Lord. I ask that God's face continually shine upon you. I ask that your greatest desires, the Bible says, He will give you the desires of your heart. I pray that every desire that you have, that God will grant them to you in the name of Jesus. I come against everything that is against you. I come against every voice. I come against every speech. I come against every thought that is not of God against you. And I break them down in the name of Jesus. You will excel in Jesus' name. You will be blessed in Jesus' name. Your hands will be full with the blessings of God. You will never go empty. You will never go empty. You will never go empty because God is with you. And if God be for you, who can be against you? If God has blessed you, who can bless you? Father, we thank you today. We give you all the praise and all the glory. Be with us this week. Be with us as we go. Be with us. Let us be the blessings as we go everywhere we go. Let us bring your presence and your blessings there. And to you be all the praise. To you be all the glory. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. And amen. And amen.